you're not allowed to like tell a fellow inmate like, hey, go tell your parents or your your not parents like it's actually we're all in high school. It is kind of like a giant dysfunctional high school. Hi, this is Justin. And this is Laura. And it's count time, your four o'clock stand-up count. And today we're going to be talking about support, especially from outside the wall. Obviously, it costs money to be in prison. If you don't have any help from from your family or you know friends on the outside, uh, typically, if you're leading a life out there that is in you know involving crime or drugs and things like that, typically the people you're running with are going to be there for you when you go to prison. Um, I'm not going to say in every case, but in my experience, 99% of the cases, your immediate family that's going to be there for you. Typically the ones you neglected, or at least I neglected when I was out there. For instance, I didn't have any money left from all the crimes that I was committing out there. So, uh, And what money I did have, the cops took from me uh, when I got arrested. Suffice it to say, I didn't have anything you know, out there. I had some bond money saved up because I had anticipated what was happening happening. Uh, and luckily, Jackie came through with that within 24 hours of me being arrested. However, when I got to prison, I didn't have anything. I had to rely on the support of my friends and family. And I'm talking like friends being old friends that I've had for years and years before I was a criminal. And then family. Yeah. So can anyone send in money once you're in jail? So you're technically not allowed to have other people put money on your books. like, And that's what it's called when you get money sent into prison. It's like putting money on my books and there's no book, you know, but it is, that's what it's called. And I remember like when I first started telling my family about it, cause nobody knew this, you know, nobody in my family had ever been to jail. And so I go to jail and I'm asking for money and they're like, what? Yeah. You're not allowed to like tell a fellow inmate, like, Hey, go tell your parents or your, your not parents. Like it's actually, we're all in high school. It is kind of like a giant dysfunctional high school. So, you know, my family starts, you know, sending me money Jackie actually started sending me money. And, uh, uh, my dad gave me a hundred bucks a month. My sister was a tremendous help. I would say she did at least 200 bucks a month, maybe, maybe 150 to 200 bucks a month, which is, I feel terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Here's your almost 40-year-old brother, you know, relying on you to uh, – I mean, it's it's sad. I don't feel terrible, though. Family came through for family. Sure, like, but – Like, that's a really powerful my thing. My Lord. I guess motivation for me to to not go back. Yeah, but it, it does sound like the love was there, though, which is important. Um, on that same wavelength, I would like to talk about visitation and what it's like for visitors. Sure. Yeah, so the process of someone going to visit someone who is in prison is difficult for the person who is doing the visiting as well. Nothing compared to the person who's incarcerated, but it, it's definitely difficult uh, for anyone of any age. But to be fair, the people that are incarcerated are definitely used to it at that point. It's not an That's- invasion of... Of yeah. their privacy or personal space. That's yeah, that's that's true. Visitation is interesting because unless you've actually had to experience it for one reason or another, it doesn't really occur to you. You see it in the movies and they're magically there in the room. It's not like that in real life. Nope. Um it sometimes is a very long, arduous process on both ends, I am I am sure, from everything I hear from my grandfather's point of view as well. But from someone from the outside who wants to go visit someone who's in. It's pretty grueling. So it can start, uh, there's a lead time, of course. You have to file all the paperwork. You have to get on the approval list that has to be processed. Mm -hmm. 
you're not told how long it's going to take. It could take a week, but really it's probably going to take a few months. Yeah. You um, should always plan on a month. Oh, uh, yeah. And month it's, turnaround for everything. Yeah. And that's for the first visit. So that's to get on the list. So mm-hmm. hopefully you can visit. Right. And so before coronavirus, right, we're going to focus on before the latest events have happened and changed all of this, mm-hmm. right? You have to do all of that process. Then when you come in to the office, you have to have two to three forms of ID where I would visit both as a child and now as, as an adult and a mother because you have to have your children's also, of course. Right. It used to be when I was a kid, my grandmother always had to have my birth certificate on her. If I had a state ID, like I had to get a state ID at a certain point. I think mm-hmm. it was 12. I had to get one. Yeah. Um, and then she also had to have a signed legal consent form from my biological right. parents. Um, even though she was a declared guardian, she still had to have consent. Sure. So that was the three forms of ID for a child. She obviously had to have her driver's license. Um, and I think there was one other form. I think at one point she was asked for verification they were married. But that was like once. So I don't yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. common. So when you bring all of your your forms of ID and every, all your paperwork, you have a check-in form you have to fill out as well. You get checked in. Yeah. You get to sit in a waiting room on some seats. So you have to wait in the little seating area. Um, and then once your your loved one's name is called out, their last name, then you go up and you get to go through a metal detector. Sure. All of your belongings, just like at the airport, <laughs> they're in a tub and they're on a conveyor belt, but it's more intrusive than the airport. So you go through the metal detector and on the other end, there's more staff with rooms mm-hmm. and you go into the room and they frisk you. And they reserve the right to touch or feel or ask you to remove clothing at any point if they have any suspected issues. Um, Obviously, this has been a problem in the past. So, like, now they have to require same-sex employees, which was a huge issue for a while. Um, Children have to have their parents there now, which is really great. Imagine how horrified horrifying that would be for a child it was horrifying. separated I was from their one of parent and frisked by a strange adult it's horrible and you're told yeah it was i remember the first time that happened but in any case so once you make it through this you're getting checked physically whatever that may entail then you need to open your mouth um, move your tongue around they you know they can shine a flashlight in there do whatever they're gonna do i had one guy checking my ears once don't know why I think he was practicing to be a, a GP. <laughs> but then after that, you come out of the room, you put your stuff back on from the conveyor belt, and you wait for someone on the other side of the glass to open up the um, the door. And then you have a little holding area. Sure. When they get enough people in there, they open up the next door after they close the first, first door. You walk across the <laughs> yard. Like a bullpen. Right, exactly. Well, sometimes it feels, especially during the holidays, yeah. you go through the second door, then there's a third door. And then you go across and you go into another building right. and you have you have the same issue again. So you, then you, once you get in, you have to give all the paperwork this guy gave you once you passed all these different measures of security. You have to give that paperwork to another security guard and wait. Right. And there's so a limit fun. to how many people can be in the visiting room at yes. any given time. So you might be waiting. You know, you're next in line, but, you know, everybody that's in there is has just gotten in there. So when I go, I like to go at, as early as I can and stay as long as I can. I'm a selfish person and I want to see my grandpa. So, sure. But we're all in that situation. Exactly. So my husband and I went. Uh, we had to sit across the visitation room from each other. And it was almost an hour before my husband could join us for the visit. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. Yeah. It happens all the time. I have uh, somebody here that would like to weigh in on this experience as well. As she has been through it with me since the beginning. So this is Jackie. 
Hi, I'm Jackie, Justin's significant other. I want to touch on this subject because I've been through about five different processes of visiting, depending on the facility. First one I'd like to touch on is the way that you feel when you go in to visit an inmate. Um, it's different in every single one. It's different in state, county, federal. Let's start with county. When Jay was in work release, it was very awkward because I was eight months pregnant. And even going into there, you stand in a line for an hour, you get in the building at 8 a.m., and then you get in there and you have to be searched. I was one time rejected because I was eight months pregnant and my clothes were too tight. Well, any woman out there knows when you're eight months pregnant, not much isn't going to be tight. <laughs> so I was turned away to even go visit him because I was wearing leggings and a long sweater. Whereas state was a little bit different. I had already had our daughter and we went up to state. And when you walk in there after everything that Laura has said, all those steps and finally get approved, you go there and you check in and then you have to sit in a waiting area. I have a three-month-old with me in a car seat and they make you go through a metal detector, go in a separate room. My only problem was is that they made me take my child out of her car seat and check her diaper. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. I get because somebody in the past had done something and smuggled something in. But it's almost like you're the one in trouble. And in that situation, when we finally got into the prison, you sat across from the table. He couldn't hold his kid. And because my child was so tiny at the time, like I didn't want to keep her in there for very long because I had to feed her. So those are my two experiences with county and state. I actually never went to federal, but then I've been also to another state facility, which is in the same state, which was a lower level. It was different. Like his sister went with us and we... You checked in the same way. You sat down. When your name was called, they took you individually into rooms. And my daughter was also with us, but she was a little bit older at that point. They have a woman in there. They have to have the same sex in there to search you. They search you. And then they ask you to lift up your child's clothes, lift her diaper out to make sure that there's nothing in there. And then you have to go sit in another room and to these tables that he was actually able to like interact with this child. So I thought that was kind of cool compared to all the other places I'd been to. To touch back on county, our county where we live, you don't actually see the person in person, which I find to be weird. The county we live in, you see them on a television screen, but our state prisons, you actually see them in person, which is actually a higher offense. So the last one he was in, in state, we would go there and you could get snacks. You could get coloring books for the kids. I actually was okay with that. It was like, other than that, I just feel like sometimes as the person on the outside, you almost feel persecuted yourself. You didn't actually do anything wrong. You're just going to see your loved ones. They make you feel like a lesser person. In my experience, I have felt, depending on the staff member, they're trying to make it so you don't want to go back. I agree. 100%. And they make it feel like it's the most uncomfortable oh, it def situation. Now, to be fair, not all of them. I mean, no, even not in all the of same them. facility, I've met some really wonderful staff members who try to make it as, as good of an experience as they can. And I agree with but, you. Like, yeah. There are some that were a lot better in situations than other ones were. And like I said, I never went to the federal level to see him. I do know that his family told me the federal level was way better to see him at. I mean, once a year, they would take our daughter to go see him. And the process was, they usually had these days where it was like family days. Our kid got to go there and interact and play board games for the whole day in this. 
And they did that. And I think that's a good part of their process to do that. State and county jail don't do that at all. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. So where my grandfather um, is staying, it used to be when I was a child, my grandparents had invested in his facility to put a bunch of children's games and things to interact with for the kids during their visits. So the visitation room, there's a whole corner full of kids stuff, the bins they took in and out. Which I thought was really cool. And they kept them out for several years. Yeah. And then once they started cracking down on rules, all of a sudden it was just gone. It is really unfortunate because the quality, even as a kid, I remember when they started enforcing different rules for children's dress code, which I don't disagree with as a parent and adult. I totally get it. But as I mean, a kid, I don't either. But like I've taken my kid plenty of times where I literally in 103 degree weather put her in a hoodie and sweatpants mm-hmm. yeah. and myself just to make sure we got in there. Yeah. Because I never know, like I said, when I was, I was eight months pregnant mm-hmm. and they denied me to going in. But what are you going to do? Yeah. I, and I, I found that they change the rules so often. They don't always post updates yep. when they have information online, which not every facility does, but when they do, they're not really good about updating it just as a general rule. I have always, since the first time I went, Always had backup clothes in my car. Yeah, that's and that that's was like lucky. Amazing advice to tell people that go to visit their loved ones in put a hoodie in the car, even if it's 103 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Put a hoodie in the car. Put sweatpants in your car. Yeah. Who cares what you look like to go in there? You're not going in there for a fashion show. You're going in there to mm-hmm. see your loved ones. So to me, that's what I learned. I I think that some of their rules are a little bit strict, especially with children. Like, cause our kids don't understand. I can only imagine what was going through my daughter's head when they're asking me to pull her pull up out to make sure she has nothing in there. You know, and I, and I get it. I'm sure there's people out there that is smuggled, but one person runs it for all of us, I guess. Yeah. And I, I get it to a point, but I, I've had a similar experience. So right after I had my own daughter and I was so proud to show her off to my grandpa And so I immediately got her on the list. They made an exception, which was amazing. They didn't have to do that. So I was very fortunate and thankful to go. But then we get there. I'm carrying this big old car seat and she's asleep. And they had me completely undress her. They shook all of her blankets out. They check her diaper. They did that too. So this kid is just screaming. You can't soothe them. They haven't learned any pattern yet. Especially in that situation. Right. It's, and then what are you going to do? You're going to nurse them for 20 minutes in one of those rooms? They're not going to let you nurse them no, to they're calm not. them Absolutely down. Not. We would, no, you go home. We would go home because and, I yeah. would spend... 20 minutes there and then I'd have to take my kid. Yeah, I took my kid. You almost feel like you're the one that did something wrong going to visit a loved one. Well, you get, I I can't say always. There, and I agree with you. There's, there's staff members that are there to do their job and I understand that there's protocols for everything Mm -hmm. and I get it. There's rules because it's a prison. It's a jail. But yeah, going in is such an uncomfortable, like there was once my, they checked my underwire in my bra to make sure, and like they pat me down between my breasts. They do that every single time without fail. That's super awkward. I mean, you almost feel like you're getting strip searched. Yeah, and I I haven't asked been asked to like totally strip, but I've been asked to raise my shirt up, and it's it is it's demeaning. Excuse uh, me, this is at where he's at now. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, so it's changed even since I've been. Oh, there. it's it's completely different even from the last few years. It's it's totally different. The environment and the culture. Um, around almost, family life. I remember my family used to say, 
we feel like we are the ones in prison. Yeah, they they really. And it's do. such an ordeal all the time, yeah. you know, to go and visit. I would almost be like, you know, just don't even come. Like, I mean, I I wouldn't actually say that because it, mm-hmm. it's one of the few things you live for is to yeah. see your family, you know, whenever you can. But so yeah, uh, prison sucks, and so does visiting one. <laughs> Produced by Daniel Argabright, music by Elliot Torres and Matt Williams, art by Nick Chalupa at Hikari Studios. Thank you for listening, and just remember, we're all your neighbors.